These are the sounds of the 21st century. Continuing BBC Radio 2 and Trevor Dan's company's production from 2001 onwards. Climb on board this new audio time machine and hear the news, the music, the people, the films and the TV shows as they were heard at the time. No analysis, no hindsight, just the sounds. We've reached part four of this ongoing series, the year of Lost, Shaun of the Dead and Invincible Arsenal. It's a vintage sporting year for Greece at Euro 2004 and the Summer Olympics, the nation begins waking up to Chris Moyles, and the world is shocked by the Boxing Day tsunami and the tragedies of Beslan and Madrid. For the next hour, it's 2004. criticism like today. Lord Hutton attacked its editorial values, its management and its journalism. In their worst fears, the managers inside here did not expect this and today they were really in crisis. Among those arriving was the reporter Andrew Gilligan. His story had accused the government of including information in the Iraqi dossier, knowing it was probably wrong. Lord Hutton said that this central charge was unfounded. I'm satisfied that Dr Kelly did not say to Mr Gilligan, that the government probably knew or suspected that the 45 minutes claim was wrong before that claim was asserted in the dossier. Over the summer, the BBC had robustly defended the Gilligan story, but Lord Hutton said there had been no proper editorial control.
Consider the many faces of Marlon Brando, Adonis in a t-shirt in Streetcar Named Desire, the face of evil in Apocalypse Now, butch biker icon in The Wild One, sexual provocateur in Last Tango in Paris. For half a century, in films good, bad, indifferent, you simply could not take your eyes off him. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. He was godfather to a whole generation of American actors who tried to make it look not like acting, but like life. He mumbled, he stumbled, and he believed in the power of illusion. He'd taken Broadway by storm at age 23 in streetcar, broke his nose in a backstage accident, and left it crooked because he liked the look of it. You don't understand, I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Instead of a bum. By age 30, he'd won an Oscar for On the Waterfront and was lionized as the greatest American actor of the age. Among filmmakers, he developed a reputation as a complex and infuriating man, chewing up and spitting out directors, producers, even old friends. We brought you news of how Janet Jackson had stolen the show at this year's Super Bowl. Now, you can't miss the pictures in most of the papers this morning. That's quite a nipple medallion, isn't it? I didn't know about those. No, neither did I. Uh, during halftime, she performed a raunchy, raunchy duet with Justin Timberlake, which culminated in him ripping her top and revealing her breast to millions of viewers around the world. Five Lives commentator at the game, Jonathan Pierce, couldn't quite believe it. They danced together in smouldering fashion, and as they were coming off to the edge of the stage, the music ends, and all of a sudden something happened. I don't know whether my eyes have seen me, but I'm not hearing someone else has said to it. It looks as if Justin Timberlake may have tried to remove an article of Janet Jackson's clothing. I don't know whether he did, but that's what it looked like from up here. All of a sudden, she was shrouded by big muscular guys, and it went into sort of shadow, and we couldn't see anymore. U.S. network CBS had to apologize. Justin Timberlake released a statement saying it wasn't intentional, but news has emerged overnight from L.A. that there's more to it than uh, meets the eye, if that's the right expression. Now, Peter, we're just looking at a picture of this nipple medallion. Now, she obviously, she was dressed for the occasion uh, because you wouldn't wear a nipple medallion if you didn't think it was going to drop out, would you? Well, precisely, well, I wouldn't know, precisely. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and they're like, it's better than yours, damn right. It's better than yours, I could teach you, but I have to charge my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and they're like it's better than yours damn right it's better than yours i could teach you but i have to charge you want it the thing that makes me what the guys go crazy for they lose their minds the way i want i think it's time After 11 o'clock, Harold Shipman's body leaves Wakefield Prison near Leeds. It was here in the early hours of the morning that Britain's worst mass murderer apparently took his own life, hanging himself with bedsheets from the window bars of his cell. He may have been its most infamous inmate, but he was treated as a normal prisoner on an ordinary wing, 
like the other Category A prisoners who was locked up at 8 o'clock last night and should have been checked every hour. But at 6.20 this morning, he was found hanged. Efforts were made to resuscitate him, but he was declared dead at 8.10 this morning. I was expecting you in my office 20 minutes ago. Really? Well, that's odd, because I had no intention of being in your office 20 minutes ago. You think we have nothing to talk about? No, we just can't think of anything I'd be interested in. I sign your paychecks. I have tenure. Are you going to grab my cane now stop me from leaving? That would be juvenile. I can still fire you if you're not doing your job. I'm here from 9 to 5. Your billings are practically non-existent. Rough year. You ignore requests for consults. I call back sometimes. You're I miss six style. years behind on your obligations See, to this clinic. I was right. This doesn't interest me. Six years times three weeks. You owe me better than four months. It's 5 o'clock. I'm going home. Dr. House, the only reason why I don't fire you is because your reputation is still worth something to this hospital. Excellent. We have a point of agreement. You're not going to fire me. Your reputation won't last if you don't do your job. The clinic is part of your job. I want you to do your job. But as the philosopher Jagger once said, you can't always get what you want. In Madrid this morning, more than 190 people were killed and more than 1,400 injured when 10 separate bombs ripped through commuter trains and railway platforms during rush hour. The Spanish Prime Minister called it simply mass murder. Who was responsible? It could be Spanish terrorists, it could be Islamic terrorists, it could be both. The blast that ripped through Madrid's early morning commuter train sent blood and metal flying. Ambulances rushed more than a thousand wounded to city hospitals and the government set up centers for people to identify the bodies of missing loved ones. This young woman says she was just behind one of the cars when it exploded. Everyone started running and they were covered in blood, she says. It was horrendous. Dazed survivors wandered along the tracks and police rushed to a scene of horror with trains torn to pieces and parts of human bodies in crushed train cars. The timing, when most people were on their way into work, appeared designed to cause the maximum number of civilian casualties. All the explosives went off in backpacks on the same commuter line into Madrid. Within hours of this morning's explosion, Spain's newspapers were on the streets with special editions. The headlines say that this is the worst terrorist massacre in Spanish history, and they're calling today our 9-11. Eight million people in Spain took to the streets yesterday, but millions more in Britain, across the world. We're with them in spirit and solidarity. Mr. Blair said Britain and Spain both knew the price of terrorism, but this was different. Terrorism designed to strike at freedom and democracy. For them to strike whenever and however they can. But let the message go out from Spain, from Britain, from the free world. In our grief, we do not show fear. We will do what is necessary defend our way of life and to defeat this terrorism somebody said they saw you the person you were kissing was me and i would never ask you i just kept into myself i don't wanna know if you're playing me keep it on the low my heart can't take it anymore And if you're creeping, please don't let it show Oh baby, I don't wanna know Touchdown, the war
war against terrorism has taken Tony Blair to some pretty strange places, but nowhere perhaps as strange as Tripoli, the drab and weary-looking capital of a country seen until recently as the hub of world subversion and terrorism. And the road ended here. A few scattered tents amid some anonymous green fields guarded by mounted soldiers. This is a place known in Libya simply as The Place. It's the lair of a man until now regarded as an outcast, past friend of the IRA, the godfather of the Lockerbie massacre, Colonel Gaddafi himself. Some people will find what's going on behind me in that tent deeply offensive. The first meeting between a British Prime Minister and Colonel Gaddafi, once memorably described as the mad dog of the Middle East. But this is also an important moment in the world fight against terrorism, the moment when Libya has finally been taken back into the world community. Good evening, I'm Ron Burgundy. Here's what's going on in your world tonight. It was the 1970s. Looking good, San Diego. In a simpler time. Hey, Garth, how's the divorce? Oh, not so good. I'll probably never see my kids. Fantastic. It took a simpler man. Follow leads, confirm sources, real journalism, my friend. Great. Right on. Now, what's a lead? Will Ferrell is Ron Burgundy. Who's that handsome devil? A Californian so popular. <laughs> you stay classy, San Diego. Yeah! He could have been governor. Hey, I like that fanny. Oh, Mr. Burgundy. Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. Burgundy did it! I am! Oh! Ron Burgundy is down and it is bad! Soundly beaten by one pillar of the establishment, they're off to try their luck with another. The hunting campaign is now appealing to the judges to overturn the decision of the lawmakers. There'll be no verdict in this case till well after the ban comes into force in mid-February. But the country's hunts aren't planning to twiddle their thumbs and wait for a result. These are the young hounds, barely a year old, and they haven't yet been out on any hunts. But they are the pack of the future, and whether it's legal or not, the kennels here is determined they will get out and hunt foxes next year. The prospect of unrest and arrests in the countryside seems to unnerve the Prime Minister, showing unease over the merits of the new law and discomfort over its effect. The views on both sides are very, very entrenched in this argument. Well, it will now go to the courts, and I've no doubt it'll be an issue. It always was going to be an issue. What is important is that, so far as I'm concerned, we try and make sure that people handle the issue reasonably and sensibly. Looking back, I know I was walking around in disguise. I was just a lost soul, I needed a guide. And the moment that you came to change my life, you fired up my heart and made me smile. You and Seven. DJ called Tony 
and good morning everyone. Welcome to the exciting new sound of Radio 1. Just like the movies, good morning! Since the days of Sam and Mayo, things have never been the same again. again. And the breakfast show since 99 has had a notable lack of men. So goodbye to Zoe, see you later to come. Has expired, so get back in your box. Those days they have all gone now, but do not shed a tear from now until they fire his ass. The savior is here. So it's a brand new show, completely different to anything you've ever heard before. Moyles' big ones coming up. No, I wasn't joking. Uh, and it's the same people that used to be on in the afternoon. Dave's here, Comedy Day. Hello and good morning. How are you feeling? I'm very good, thank you. I thought that opener was quietly understated. I thought so. The judges' scores are in. Craig Revel Hallwood. Four. <laughs> Lynn Goodman. Bye-bye. I hereby pronounce you partners for life, legally married. Amen. Changing history with a kiss in Massachusetts. For the first time in the U.S., it's legal today for gay couples to marry, and hundreds rush to get their licenses in this New England state. Not everyone's so delighted. Gay marriage is one of the most divisive issues in America. Opponents and supporters turned out in force in Massachusetts today. We've broken down a barrier in the city of Washington, the state of Massachusetts, and that's what this is all about, is giving people the right to marry. I'm so proud of these individuals today uh, that come forward and uh, really express themselves. They want to be bonded together for the rest of their lives. America is becoming the 21st century Sodom and Gomorrah that was destroyed, and I don't want to see America destroyed. He's done it, and look what it means to Roger Federer. The world number one claims his first US Open title, and in emphatic fashion it was as well. And as as Stewart said, too good, mate. And that's exactly what Federer was. To produce three slam wins in one season, that is knocking on the door of greatest ever.
if Jose Mourinho had any doubts as to just how big his new job is, this was the welcome to Chelsea Football Club for a handshake on a three-year deal which could be worth more than £10 million. But is he worth it? Please don't call me arrogant because what I'm saying is true. I'm European champion. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. Mourinho began his career as a translator for Sir Bobby Robson, but he now has the record to back up his confidence. He took Porto to the UEFA Cup in Portuguese Championship last year, then the Champions League trophy last week. In Jose, we believe, the very best uh, coach in Europe and someone who has got the qualifications and experience to uh, achieve the ambitions of Chelsea Football Club. United's year for the FA Cup again. Millwall, major underdogs, did so well to get this far. But their first FA Cup final was always going to be such a demanding assignment against a club of United's pedigree and calibre. A step too far on the day for Dennis Wise and his side. So, the start of the penalty shootout for a place in the semi-final of Euro 2004. Oh, David Beckham. He did exactly the same thing in Turkey. It's a truly terrible penalty. Slipping at the moment of impact. Here goes Vassell. Oh, and Ricardo saved it. And it's going to be the Ricardo himself. How about this? This to put Portugal in the semi-final. Goalkeeper beats goalkeeper. Even by the drama of penalty shootouts this has been an extraordinary ending England can't believe it they are out and Portugal the host nation take their challenge into a semi-final 30 seconds now of the five minutes added on here by the referee it's all over Sagarakis celebrates the Greece captain Ronaldo is crestfallen, but Greece are the European champions for the first time. In the small villages in the northern mountains of Greece, all the way down to the small Greek isles and the Aegean Sea, and the big cities of Greece in between, there are 11 million people clustered around their television sets right now, pinching themselves that this is indeed finally really happening. This is the 28th Olympiad as they count down those seconds to the beginning of the opening ceremony. Kelly Holmes attacking on the outside. What a 
what a performance! You won it, Kelly, you won it! Here comes Kelly Holmes. There's a lot of pushing and shoving there. Thomas Schoenberg doesn't seem to have much, but she's going to go with Kelly. Kelly coming on the outside, looks so easy. Has she got enough in the home straight? Hayeska tries to move out, but Kelly looking round to see where the danger is. There doesn't appear to be too much. Now she's got to push on. Now she's got to kick for home. Kelly Holmes going for two gold medals. It's going to be Hannah Storick's second goal. Kelly Holmes for Great Britain wins the 1500 metre title. What a performance. 357.91, a personal best to boot. You are the double Olympic champion, Kelly Holmes. My Six, Liu Xiang. Liu Xiang swung Allius in lane number two. Liu Xiang to Korea in Allius. Liu Xiang becomes the second man in the history of China to win an Olympic medal in track and field. The first ever gold medalist in track and field for his country. Blew away the field. Matthew Pinsent versus Barney Williams. Who gets it as they come towards the line? Canada counter-attacking, surge there. But just on the surge, I reckon Great Britain, Dan. Inches, inches. What an extraordinary comeback there again for Canada. Matthew Pinsent, is it a fourth Olympic gold? They know, they know now, they've got it. They've got it. They do now, because yeah. there's the roar, or they will. Yeah, Ed Coates realised, James Cracknell's realised. They are Olympic champions, and Great Britain have held on to the title that they won in Sydney by a whisker. It was described as a day of hope and opportunity, a unique moment of history when the West embraced the East to heal the wounds of the past. Now 25 members, the European Union family has never been so large. The 10 new entrants, mostly former communist countries, have become the world's largest single market and most powerful political union. Many Eastern Europeans have already had their hopes of working in the West dashed. Most of the old EU member states are 
place tight restrictions on the number of workers they'll allow in. But although the new countries are poorer, their economies are growing faster. That means European businesses could have a wealth of new opportunities. One of us is a hero. One of us is a hero. Is a hero. One of us is a fraud. Is a fraud. Is a fraud. One of us is a junkie. One of us is a junkie. One of us is a cop. 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 One of us is a saint. One of us is a saint. One of us is a sinner. One of us is a sinner. One of us is a martyr. One of us is a martyr. One of us. One of us is a murderer. Is a murderer. All of us. All of us are guilty. All of us. 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 All of us are lost. All of us are lost. 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 As Superman, he could bend steel with his bare hands. As Christopher Reeve, he died age 52 from a heart attack during treatment for an infection related to his paralysis. Say hello to Clark Kent. 26 years ago, he dazzled moviegoers as mild-mannered Clark Kent transformed who fights the never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. 17 years later, May 1995, at an equestrian show in Virginia, he broke America's heart when his horse balked, throwing Reeve and breaking his neck. The man with everything, the avid skier, diver, and pilot, left quadriplegic, able to move only his head. Giving up is, is unacceptable. Slowly, the comic book hero became a super crusader, a one-man publicity and lobbying machine for spinal cord research. Who are we if we don't use our best efforts and best available technology to do something? Christopher Reeve, who became a real Superman when he could no longer fly.
tense night giving way to a second day of waiting and worrying. Hundreds of relatives have gathered outside the school, shocked that an armed group could have taken over the building with such relative ease. The armed group who seized the building are thought to be connected to rebels who want independence for nearby Chechnya. They're demanding the release of people arrested in another attack in the region two months ago. If the troops storm the school, the hostage takers are threatening to blow it up. President Putin, masterminding strategy in Moscow, is unlikely to agree to the group's demands. But this latest incident has once again shown that the long-running conflict in Chechnya is spilling over the republic's borders. The relatives of those held captive want to see immediate negotiations, but they know that in the past, similar hostage takings have always resulted in heavy casualties. The first sign the waiting was over. Terrified hostages, some too weak to walk. Guns are still cracking behind them. After the agony of not knowing what would happen, an emotional reunion for some, but what they've been through still vivid and horrifying. They placed mines all around us, four or five lines of bombs, and all the time they had their feet on the detonators. They said, if anything happens, we'll blow everything up. In the chaos and panic, still no clear picture of what exactly happened. It was explosions that prompted some to make a run for it. When the first bomb went off, some children realized what was happening and ran out. Then came the second explosion and the roof began to collapse. Quite a lot of us got out, but of course many were killed too. I saw bodies terribly mutilated. The agonizing wait for news of the children caught up in the siege. Parents scan photos pinned on hospital walls, desperately hoping to find their sons and daughters. A day after the bloodshed began, there are still no comprehensive lists of the casualties and survivors. At least 250 are already known to have died, but there were more than a thousand people in the school, and the death toll could rise much further. These are the survivors of Bislan. Hospitals for miles around are overflowing with the wounded. Russian investigators are sifting through the debris. They're trying to work out how the hostage takers had so many weapons and explosives, whether they'd planned well in advance and hidden them in the school. And they're still recovering the dead too. More than 300 lives were lost. Outside Donald Rumsfeld's house in Washington, a small vocal protest. Anti-war demonstrators showing their anger at the abuse of Iraqi prisoners. But the target of their complaint is looking more at home in Baghdad. Donald Rumsfeld, here to boost morale and shore up his own position politically. 
Visiting Abu Ghraib jail, he accepted the abuse pictures had sullied the reputation of American troops. But all sides of the Bush administration are now promising justice and rallying behind the defense secretary. President Bush was the speaker today at the annual service to remember American police officers killed in the line of duty. The rule of law has been very much on the president's mind in recent days. The need to convince America's allies that this nation abides by the highest standards. We are determined to expose and punish the abuse of Iraqi detainees. Charges have been filed against seven soldiers, and the first trial is set to begin next week. My administration and our military are determined that such abuses never happen again. He was an editor who was prepared to take risks, and this morning, as the pressure on him mounted, Piers Morgan was still sounding defiant. Did he under pressure at all? Not at all. All I say is we published the truth. The problem for Piers Morgan was that the pictures he'd published in the Daily Mirror were not true. At best, they were staged reconstructions of incidents which were alleged to have happened. At worst, they were out-and-out -out fakes. But at the headquarters of the unit involved, the Queen's Lancashire Regiment, officers were expressing outrage over pictures which they said they had now proved to be fakes. These photographs have been a recruiting poster for Al-Qaeda and every other terrorist organization. It has made the lives of our armed forces in Iraq that much more difficult and that much more dangerous. The potency of the images has indeed been demonstrated on the ground in Iraq. This was a Muslim cleric in Basra a few days ago, using the photos to justify a demand that British soldiers should be kidnapped. After the appalling reality of what the Americans have been doing to their prisoners, the mirror pictures threaten to compromise the work of every British soldier. So just before 6.30 from the headquarters of the Daily Mirror at Canary Wharf came a statement. The Daily Mirror apologizes unreservedly for publishing the pictures and deeply regrets the reputational damage done to the Queen's Lancashire Regiment and the army in Iraq. It would be inappropriate, it went on, for Piers Morgan to continue in his role as editor of the Daily Mirror and he will therefore be stepping down with immediate effect. According to one account, Mr. Morgan refused a demand to apologize for the photos, was sacked and immediately escorted from the Mirror building. And the Oscar goes to, it's a clean sweep. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, Barry M. Osborne, Peter Jackson, and Tran Walsh produce it. This is the 11th Academy Award win tonight for The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Tying the record for most wins with the films Titanic and Ben-Hur. Oh, this is just unbelievable, and I'm so honored, touched, and relieved that the Academy and the members of the Academy that have supported us have, have seen past the trolls and the wizards and the hobbits and are recognizing fantasy this year. Fantasy is an F word that hopefully the five-second delay won't do anything with. Wow. I know. It seems smaller somehow. 
Has it always been purple? <laughs> look around, you guys. This was your first home. And it was a happy place. Filled with love and laughter. But more important, because of rent control, it was a friggin' steal. <laughs> another we all lived in this apartment oh yeah that's yeah. true uh i haven't <laughs> Wait a minute, what about that summer during college that you live with grandma and you tried to make it as a dancer <laughs> do you realize we almost made it 10 years without that coming up <laughs> so i guess this is it yeah I guess so. This is harder than I thought it would be. Okay, should we get some coffee? Sure. Where? One single moment, your whole life can turn round. I stand there for a minute, staring straight into the ground. Looking to the left slightly, then looking back down. World feels like it's caved in, proper sorry frown. Please let me show you where we could only just be for us. I can change and I can grow or we could adjust. The wicked thing about us is we always have trust. We can even have an open relationship if you must. I look at her, she stares almost straight back at me. But her eyes glaze over like she's looking straight through me. Then her eyes must have closed for what seems an eternity. When they open up, she's looking down at her feet. Dry your eyes, mate. I know it's hard to take, but her mind has been made up There's plenty more fish in the sea Dry your eyes, mate I know you want to make her see how much this pain hurts But you've got to walk away now, it's over Dry your eyes, mate I know you want to make her see how much this pain hurts But you've got to walk away now Good morning Propped up there against my usual three pillows And reluctantly having just finished a favourite bed book I was feeling chipper enough to glance across at two bedside piles and hope for a perfect lullaby before drifting into sleep. Alistair Cook, it's been said, did more for Anglo-American relations than a whole string of ambassadors from both sides of the Atlantic. His weekly broadcasts of Letter from America for BBC Radio monitored the pulse of life in the United States and, in a relaxed yet informative style, relayed its strengths and weaknesses to 50 countries. Born in Salford, he went to America on a grant and started working for the BBC in the 1930s. He developed a passion for jazz and golf and, as a film critic, mixed with Hollywood stars. Later, as a correspondent for The Guardian as well as the BBC, he reported on the administrations of 11 American presidents. The depth and scope of his broadcast, and also the intelligence, the very special intelligence he brought to bear, were an amazing thing. We hugely missed by millions of people who used to gain such, such comfort and such wisdom. I walked across an empty land I knew the pathway like the back of my hand I felt the earth beneath my feet Sat by the river and it made me complete 
for listening and coming up now it's Anne Nightingale. At a time when pop music was becoming increasingly compartmentalised both in the way that record companies were thinking and the way that radio stations were doing their programming John Peel was a maverick. He broke down the barriers and you never knew what to expect. Over the years he championed anything from the psychedelic bands of the 60s, the Faces, through to the Specials, Joy Division, The Fall or more recently The White Stripes or The Libertines. And then there was country music or English folk music and indeed black styles, reggae and African music from the Congo or Zimbabwe long before the term world music had been invented. And on top of all of that there were the demo tapes sent to him in their hundreds by aspiring bands. He was famous for keeping all the records and CDs he was sent. His house had to be expanded to hold them all while his Radio 1 office was also cluttered with demo tapes from still unknown bands desperate to hear his opinion of their work. Teenage dreams are hard to beat. It's a kind of nice summary, you know. I'd quite like to have that on my tombstone. The 30-something founders of Google had good reason to cheer today. On their first day of trading as a public company, they raised $1.7 billion in cash and made the stock of Google as valuable as General Motors. Sergey Brin and Larry Page achieved that success despite cutting the professional investment community out of the process. Most of Wall Street wanted this offering to fail, loved that it was developing problems, and hoped that the stock price would crater or the offering would be postponed. The offering went off as scheduled, but the outcome was often in doubt. Google's decision to snub Wall Street investment bankers in favor of a complicated auction process soured big institutional buyers. And it was certainly risky to debut an internet company in a sinking market for technology stocks. Do you ever think that modern life is not for you? Do you do the same dead-end job every day? Is your love life dying on its feet to a wonderful mom oh, oh. have you ever felt that you're turning into the world. a zombie maybe you're not alone Pissed. although no one official is prepared to comment religious groups are calling it judgment day it is vital that you stay in your home avoid all physical contact with the assailants 
So, what's the plan? Bash him in the head, that seems to work out. Why have we got to go Lizzie's? Because I love her. All right, gay. In the statement, Mr. Blunkett says he's pleased that the paternity of Mrs. Quinn's second child has been clarified, but insists that he'd never claimed to be the child's father. He also says that he'd not instigated any legal proceedings in respect of the second child, despite some newspaper reports to the contrary. The former Home Secretary's affair became public last summer when it emerged that Mrs. Quinn had refused to leave her husband for Mr. Blunkett. The ensuing weeks saw a bitter battle played out between the two in the newspapers, with friends briefing journalists about the actions of both parties. It then emerged that Mrs. Quinn had accused David Blunkett of helping her nanny gain a visa and providing a first-class rail voucher to Mrs. Quinn, which had only been available to the partners of MPs. Mr. Blunkett was forced to resign when an inquiry discovered his office had played a role in the visa application. Gentlemen, I give you the President of the United States. Sweet words, again. And after this election victory, they must sound so much sweeter. America has spoken, and I'm humbled by the trust and the confidence of my fellow citizens. Four years ago, George Bush ran as a moderate. Come 9-11 and two wars, he governed as a radical. Now we know that the majority of Americans clearly liked it. His gamble paid off, but tonight he also reached out across the divide. So today I want to speak to every person who voted for my opponent. To make this nation stronger and better, I will need your support, and I will work to earn it. An hour earlier, John Kerry finally emerged into the glare of defeat. Then a speech that yesterday afternoon he and his staff felt confident he would never have to make. Uh, earlier today, uh, I spoke to President Bush and I offered him and Laura our congratulations on their victory. And we talked about the danger of division in our country and the need, the desperate need, for unity, for finding the common ground, coming together. Today, I hope that we can begin the healing. Ronald Reagan died at his home in Los Angeles, surrounded by his family. His coffin is to be taken to his presidential library in the Simi Valley in California. In the state where he served as governor before his first presidential term, flags fly at half-mast as they do across the nation. 
Nancy Reagan, his wife of 52 years, who cared for him, said in a brief statement, we appreciate everyone's prayers over the years. I think the most important thing is he believed in America and he believed that freedom was a universal value. He thought everybody wanted to be free. A great American life has come to an end. Ronald Reagan won America's respect with his greatness and won its love with his goodness. He had the confidence that comes with conviction, the strength that comes with character, the grace that comes with humility, and the humor that comes with wisdom. I was so high I did not recognize the fire burning in her eyes, the chaos that controlled my mind. Whispered goodbye, she got on a plane, never to return again. decades, this man, in his trademark black and white kefir, was the symbol of Palestinian struggle. To some, he was a freedom fighter. To others, he was a terrorist, revered and reviled. A legendary leader comes back home. And on the ground in Ramallah, his people surging forward to meet him. Chaotic, uncontrolled. There had been hopes of a dignified ceremony, but no chance of that now. As the helicopter carrying his body came in to land at the compound, it was too much for his people to bear. No way to hold back the crowd, even after Palestinian security men fired in the air. Yasser Arafat has now been brought home for the last time to the land that he loved, and his people are preparing to say their final farewell. He was the leader who carried the Palestinian struggle for 40 years. He united and inspired his people, and they know they may not see his like again. Baby, can't you see? I'm calling. A guy like you should wear a warning. It's dangerous. people are now thought to have been killed in southern Asia after an undersea earthquake sent enormous waves rolling across the Indian Ocean. The quake measured 8.9 on the Richter scale, the biggest in the world for 40 years. Waves up to 10 meters high engulfed the coasts of many countries. 
The quake's epicenter was off the island of Sumatra in northwestern Indonesia, where more than 4,000 people are thought to have died. In Sri Lanka, officials say more than 3,000 people have been killed and more than a million affected. Tens of millions of tons of water, unthinkably powerful, are driven onto shores across the Indian Ocean. The waves started at speeds of as much as 500 miles an hour. Nothing and no one can stand against them. It's coming again! Coming again! At the resort of Phuket in Thailand, 250 miles to the north, the tourists are running for their lives. Oh my God! It's half an hour after the waves hit Indonesia. Sri Lanka, two hours later and a thousand miles further on. There's more coming, there's more. Entire swathes of southeastern India were devastated. In each of the countries around the Indian Ocean where the waves hit, it was one of the worst disasters in living memory, a catastrophe. These are countries where the wealthy come to holiday and the poor cling to a precarious existence at the best of times. Tsunami waves made no distinction between rich and poor, foreigners and locals. Children suffered particularly because they couldn't run away. In country after country, the emergency facilities always limited, buckled and virtually collapsed under the strain. It's Christmas time There's no need to be afraid At Christmas time we let in light and we better shade And in our world of plenty We can spread a smile of joy Throw your arms around the world At Christmas time But say a prayer To know more about the music and archive clips you've heard over the past hour, head over to sounds21c.wordpress.com. The programme is produced by Tom Eames. Next time, it's 2005, the year of Live 8 and London's Olympics victory, followed soon after by 7-7, as Sounds of the 21st Century continues.